Well, we're in our series, How to Destroy the World in 10 Simple Steps. And we've been looking at some of the biggest ideologies in our world that kind of undergird everything, and then some of these critical theories that have arisen during this sort of postmodern and progressive age, and seeing how they are in contradiction with God's word and how they really destroy society. So I hope this has been helpful for you as we've gone through this. Today we're going to look at what's called queer theory, and that, of course, queer comes from the LGBTQ++ acronym. That's the Q. And really, in a sense, the Q, the, the, the idea of queer, is kind of what underlies the entire acronym and, and even makes that plus sign um, part, of the, part of that acronym. So we have to understand this if we want to understand these currents of thoughts. So we'll just kind of dive right in. Let's take a, take a look at this, and let's first of all define what is queer theory. Yeah. So... Uh, traditionally, the word queer has just meant strange. Yeah. And so what queer theory is really about is about liberating people who are or who deem themselves to be strange or as or just not fitting in the traditional mold to ex- express themselves how they feel they should. So yeah. liberation from oppression, from traditional values and categories basically okay, okay. That sounds yeah. nice at first first glance what's the what you know let's dig into this more yeah, so yeah, yeah. so is that just you know <laughs> you're you're kind of weird you know you like you know you and me we like gummy candy it's kind of weird for full-grown men but we're gonna no, embrace it's that perfectly and... <laughs> normal uh no this is uh, a little more uh strange than that i would say okay um it's basically saying that we should seek liberation for People who don't fit within the rigid categories traditionally of uh, sex and gender, sexuality, things like that. Yes. Okay. So, so, so kind of the the sexual minorities, or yeah. not even gender minorities, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. The you know the, the original gender minority is men because there's always a little bit more women than men mm-hmm. in the world. So I'm a minority, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Men seventy-three genders. <laughs> yeah, all the all the things that clearly. Um, so okay, so these so these categories that typically define people, these kind of binaries, are a bad thing. That's what they they're saying, right? Yeah, male, female, you know, whatever. Yeah. So these these rigid categories of male, female, that um, sexuality should just be marriage between a man and a woman. These are bad categories that should be totally erased. They shouldn't exist at all because people don't fit in those categories. And what should define how we understand is the perspective of individuals who really constitute reality rather than a socially constructed category being imposed on people is basically the difference there. And so that's arising from the postmodern principle that there's no objective truth, there's no meta-narrative, there's no... Uh, reality. It's really just, um, it's really just people's own perspective, their own truth that should be followed, rather than some external source of truth. And I feel like this kind of starts to get into like highly atomized individualism, which is interesting because when we look at, you know, um, uh, intersectional feminism, we were saying how well that tends to treat individuals as if they're just members of groups. Mm-hmm. Same thing with with critical race theory, but this goes to the opposite extreme. So it's so intersectionality would say everyone who fits in a certain group and some outward characteristic must be oppressed, which is obviously untrue. This goes the total opposite direction and says these general categories that God has made for our good 
none of that exists. And everyone, it's, you know, it's 72 genders right now, but it's going to be 300, it's going to be 10,000, right? And, and I always say the plus sign is the most significant part of that acronym, LGBTQ+, because it essentially is saying, it's admitting, you're just going to add on more things as they come up. Right. You're going to expand that, and you're, you're going to bow to whatever the culture is, is saying exists yeah. as, a, as a category. Yes, I mean, even even saying that there is a finite number of genders is outdated information. Actually, gender, according to the college professors, is a spectrum. Yeah, and so yeah. that basically implies that there is an infinite number of genders, or, yeah, and so things that previously never existed until this one individual came along and said that this is my gender. So people can basically effectively say, my gender is this, and so this is therefore a valid gender expression. And so years ago, I, I think I was in high school or something at the time, I heard about someone saying that they were blizzgender. That sounds like a real thing. Yeah, so I had never heard of this before, and I was very intrigued. So I actually looked it up. What what exactly is blizzgender? Um, so this is, I'll just read the quote, just uh, what it is. So this gender is cold and snowy like frost gender, but it should be distinct. It should be distinguished because it's more intense and harsh. And blizz gender actually has its own flag too. Yeah. I was just looking it up here. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. It's, uh, <laughs> it's got, it's got the icicles, you know, so it's got the icicles there. I'm assuming that in the blue. Yeah. So blizz gender, um, not to be confused with frost gender, of course. Yeah. Uh, Very are, different. Yeah. And, and I mean, you have to laugh. I mean, obviously there's, there's people that believe this about themselves yeah. that have been deceived and lied to and they're victims in this, but you have to laugh. I mean, you have to just say it like, this is completely insane. Right. Yeah. I mean, Blizz Gender just sounds like this person's a jerk. And instead <laughs> of <cold>. saying, <laughs> I'm a jerk, they're saying, it's my gender to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. That's, it's insane. So anything can just become your gender. And yeah. we're even dealing, yeah, with now with, I mean, I have relatives that a school in their district, there's a girl who identifies as a cat. And, wow. and this is, I mean, again, this is like people I know. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen the news stories too, but this, the, the school put a litter box for, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know for her <laughs> to go to the bathroom. I'm like, guys, this this is nuts, right? This is absolutely crazy. Again, not talking about the individuals and that girl maybe hurting. It's nuts for reasonable people to go along with this. I think this is gonna gonna help people. But yeah, so there's all kinds of ex- ever expanding genders. All so clearly, we can just say there's common sense and all that. But but what do Christians? How do we respond to this? How do we react to to queer theory and how do we respond with scripture? Yeah, so as Christians, you probably see where this is going, but queer theory is about undermining traditional, strict, rigid categories defining uh, male-female sexuality, things like that, human versus cat, whatever, things like that. And as Christians, what what we believe is that the Bible is God's word. It's the truth that defines reality. Yep. regardless of what individuals think about it. And so the Bible says that God made man male and female, and he made it so that the the only form of sexuality that would be valid would be a man and woman within the context of marriage. And so yep. the Bible is rigid that this is how God made a man for their flourishing. And so basically 
undermining those is obviously problematic and is not going to lead to flourishing for humanity, but actually to suffering. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Genesis 127, right, is where we go again and again, and it, it helps to guide us on so many issues. But Genesis 127 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we have in two verses, we have gender, male and female, Mm -hmm. right? There's no third category. Of of course, you know, as we talked about before, there are going to be deformities in in nature because of sin. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be such a thing as, you know, intersex and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but we're talking about, you know, you can't, these are, there's two categories that we can't change. We can't, we can't, I mean, God created us that way. Yeah. And then, at, and then the second thing is these two genders are meant to work together to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to, to spread the image of God throughout the earth. Mm-hmm. So you have gender and you have family. And it's no surprise that in our culture today, there's so many people who want to undermine all the truths we find in the first chapter of the Bible. Yeah. Like that male and female are good and they're blessings from God, these yeah. categories, right? They're not something to seek to be changed. And that marriage is a beautiful, good thing, right? When lived in the context of God's law and for his purposes. Yeah. So, okay. So we have, we have something there. Where else can we look in scripture to respond to this? Yes, I mean... So this was kind of covered in Genesis one twenty eight, but also Genesis two twenty four, the classic verse about marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So I mean, this this verse is another thing that establishes the categories for sexuality. It's between one man yeah. and his wife, one woman. So one man, one woman, and they're married. Mm-hmm. And so this. This is the pattern for sexuality that God's established. And so these categories were not socially constructed like queer theorists are saying. They were instituted by God, and therefore man has no right to change those things. Yep. Good. Yeah, good. That's, that's very helpful. And, you know, I, I, I remember having conversations. I've had many conversations like this, but one conversation stands out that I have with a friend where, you know, he was saying to me again and again, you know, gender is a social construct. And I was saying, no, gender is a divine construct, meaning mm-hmm. it's created by God, yep. male and female, for his purposes, and to and then they're uniquely blessed and beautiful. And then he he would say, Well, what about, you know, dresses? Like back in the day, people wore men wore dresses and now women wear dresses and whatever. It's like, well, you're confusing gender expression with gender itself. Those are very different things, right? Mm-hmm. So how gender is expressed. Like, of course, no reasonable person is going to say that's that's remained the same throughout history. There are distinctions, there are variations, you know, like, again, the, the example always given is like the French painting of, you know, the king with his like high heels and tights, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of probably overly feminine even back then. But whatever, let's just go with it and say that that's, that's you know, that was their expression, whatever. Well, today we do have certain things that are the way we express gender, the way we express male and female, it's a little, it's a little bit more difficult. But what people do is they take that argument: gender is a social construct. They they switch, swap out in their mind gender expression in place of gender, which is somewhat true, right? 
And then they try to make everything gray because of that. And then say, see, gender doesn't exist. Gender is just kind of made up. Mm. And it's, it's nuts. It's crazy, right? That kind of thinking is so sloppy, so illogical, and yet so many people fall into it. And, and of course, one of, the, one of the fundamental reasons why this has been pushed so much by um, you know, those in political leadership and <coughs> academia and all this stuff, people that should know better, is because it's, it's about destroying the beauty and the, the foundational nature of the family in our society. Yeah. To deny that, and again, I'm not talking about the individual who's struggling with, with this and confused. That person's probably also a victim, but I'm talking about the people that are the thinkers, the thought leaders. They know that God created men and women to be different and fill different roles, that God created the family and, this, and marriage to bring procreation and to, to guard children and to bless children as they grow, protect them right from evil. And our, many in our society want to rewrite that. They want to change what it means to be a family. And to do that would be to change the fundamental building block of all society. Yeah. And the society will crumble. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's inevitable. Right? Yeah. So, so what we're talking about is, again, one of these fundamental ways that you can destroy the world very, very easily. Yeah. And so this, this phenomenon isn't, uh, it's not a mystery why it's happening. Scripture tells us exactly why this movement is happening. That doesn't necessarily use the word queer theory, but it uses, it describes exactly what it is. So if you yeah. look at Romans chapter one, this whole passage, I'll, I'll read it. Romans chapter one, starting in verse 18. If you have a Bible, read it with me. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So this passage is, everyone knows what the traditional values are what God has instituted. Even if they don't recognize that verbally, there is an intuitive sense that everyone knows that God exists and that he created the universe and that there's a way it's supposed to be. But in their unrighteousness, they choose to ignore that and instead worship themselves rather than God. Yeah. And, and yeah, one of the, this is such so good to read in its full you know context and the yeah. flow here as to see this is not Paul simply saying, homosexuality is bad or something yeah. like that. It's really to show the progression of a society mm-hmm. and of human sin as we turn away from God and away from the, the true creator and instead lift up ourselves or lift up creation. It, to me, it comes back again and again to the, this rejection or confusion of that creature, creator-creature distinction. Yeah, That there is a creator, that he has a certain role and he has certain authority and we are simply the creature. Right. I mean, much of this 
queer theory and other of these theories kind of treats us as being above God and therefore able to determine our own reality and to tell him who we are rather than receiving identity from him. Right. And it's no surprise that so much depression happens among groups like the LGBT community mm-hmm. because when you try to create your own identity, I mean, you can't even, you can't create anything. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, when I think about what I can actually do, like what I have power to actually do. I am so limited. And when it comes to metaphysical things, like mm. these kind of big picture realities, can I define myself? Of course I can't. So when you when you don't get your identity from God and you get it from yourself instead and you create it, it's going to always be a house of cards. Yeah. And so it leads to so much misery. It's, it's truly tragic. Yeah. And so be warned, queer theory yeah. is not for you Christians. Yeah. So... Um, just our encouragement is that you would reject this way of thinking, that you would hold fast what the Bible says is true, the categories that God has instituted when he created the world. And um, just a reminder that there's grace for you if you have stepped outside of those boundaries and a call to return to them and to trust Jesus for salvation. Yep.